Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. Today, we had the opportunity to speak with Mr. Joey Hishian from the OHL. I'm your host, Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. With me as usual, Danny Heath with Project Hockey. And this was a phenomenal interview. Um, the way he talked about a couple players that he played with, he, he, we talked about Wayne Simmons and Nathan McKinnon and what separated them and what they did uh, that not only made them unbelievable junior hockey players but superstars in the nhl and so that part of the interview was something that i i loved and everyone should definitely check that out what do you think coach yeah i think he's got a really interesting story and and you know he's he's living and breathing everything he talked about coaching in the ohl right now so the part that i really liked you know he had some great advice for for coaches and players out there but the part i really liked where he talks about um his his experience personally but also what they look for in players for uh, from a recruiting standpoint about being like, if you're good enough, they're going to find you and talking about what his scouts are looking for to get players involved in their program, in the OHL and, and how many games those guys are actually seeing and what attributes they look for on the ice. I think that's a huge, huge takeaway from this, um, from this podcast. So, uh, what do you say, Heater? I say hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. So you don't miss out on any future episodes of the let's go hockey podcast. And let's jump into this one coach. Let's go. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by HockeyWolf.com. Check out HockeyWolf.com for all things hockey. They are a fantastic brick-and-mortar and online retailer. They've got everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. If you love the game of hockey, you got to check out HockeyWolf.com. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, don't forget to check out Hockey Wolf's team sales option on their website. Next time your team needs helmets or gloves, sticks, skates, jerseys, Go to HockeyWolf.com, get everything that you need so that your guys and girls are ready to hit the ice. Go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. A member of the Owen Sound Attack in the OHL from 2007 to 2011. U-17 gold medal in 2008 for Team Canada. Let's go OHL. First team all-star. OHL champion in 2011. Let's go. Drafted first round, 17th overall to the Colorado Avalanche. Played for Yokert in the KHL and Lulia in the SHL. Current assistant coach and assistant GM of the Owen Sound Attack. Oh, and skills coach for Justin Bieber. Let's go. Welcome, Joey Hishin, to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's fantastic having you on here. I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, Heater already touched on kind of a couple of the stops along the way, but if you don't mind, maybe can you just jump in and give us a little introduction to your your playing and coaching career and kind of what's brought you up to the up the coaching ranks where you're at now? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I started in uh, in Stratford, Ontario, my hometown, playing double A hockey. Um, I actually never, never, ever played AAA hockey. I played in some spring tournaments, um, was drafted to Owen Sound out of Stratford AA hockey and was fortunate enough to make the team. Um, and then spent, spent four years in Owen Sound, was drafted to, to Colorado. And then, uh, like Danny said, played, uh, played a few years pro, suffered some, uh, some injury trouble, um, was forced to, forced to retire. And, um, yeah, now I'm, uh, I got into coaching. I got into skill development pretty much right away as soon as I retired. And then, uh, now I'm now with the Owen Sound Attack as the assistant coach, assistant general manager. Nice. That's um, pretty. We uh, <laughs> the uh, so you said you went right into skills coaching. Um, what uh, what did that look like, and how did that? How did you make that first jump to to work in uh, with Owen Sound? 
Uh, yeah, I should actually add, I, um, I actually started as a, uh, when, I, when I first retired, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I started working for a paving company here in Stratford. Uh, and, I, and I think it was the best thing I ever did because I realized how much I wanted to stay in hockey. And I gained so much respect for, for those guys that, you know, put in those 12, 13 hour days, um, working outside, grinding and, and uh, get up the next day and do the same thing all over again. So it really motivated me to start my own skills company. I started uh, Skills Corp here in my hometown of Stratford. Um, I'd played in Owen Sound and Dale DeGray, the general manager in Owen Sound, was, was still there. Um, so I'd contacted him and, and we talked about different possibilities. And then um, I started as their skills coach and a scout. So I would scout the, uh, I would scout the Alliance, which is the area I live in for, for AAA hockey and, and watch different players. Um, and then uh, halfway through the season, they fired their head coach and, and I got an opportunity to move in as the assistant coach, assistant general manager. So things progressed pretty, uh, pretty quickly, but definitely um, very excited and very happy to be in the position I'm in right now. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome in how fast that happened. And I mean, it, it's kind of the way I, I think hockey works. Like you, you were good to the game. Uh, you got hurt and you had to end your career early and it's still taking care of you. And I'm just a big believer. And obviously if you do the right thing, hockey works itself out. And so that's pretty cool. And along the way, jumping back a little bit into your hockey career, uh, I think it was your first year um, in Owen Sound. You got to play with Wayne Simmons kind of what was he like and what did you feel or did you feel that when you met him like this guy's going to make a lot of money and play a long time in the NHL uh yeah absolutely he uh he actually was my ride to the rink when I was uh 15 16 years old Nolan Sound so I spent a lot of time with him uh I think what kind of separated Wayne was his his work ethic and I think that's uh that's going to be a pr pretty consistent topic when you guys on this podcast talk about high level players they all seem to work harder than everyone else, which is definitely not a coincidence. Um, the best players in the world usually are the players who, who work the hardest. And, and he was just, uh, in practice especially, I can remember his, his shot, like every single time he had a chance anywhere near the net, or uh, even in, in flow shooting drills, he would, he would try as hard as he possibly could to score. Um, I can actually remember our coach, Mark Reeds, um, who moved on to coach the Ottawa Senators and, and unfortunately he's passed away now, but um, having a team meeting about him and, and the way he practiced and how hard he worked um, to try and get a lot of us. We had a very, we had a very young team that year and he, he was trying to get a lot of us to realize how, how hard it is to get to the next level and, and use his, an him as an example um, because at the time he was a second round pick to the LA Kings and um, obviously had a, had a really good, really good chance of making the world junior team that year being a, being a high pick. And um, yeah, to talk about honestly, just how hard he worked and, and how, uh, how would he, he would try and score every single time he touched the puck. So that's what I remember most about him, aside from him being a great guy uh, away from the rink as well. I think that's a common thread with um, uh, so many people we've been talking to the last few weeks about the, the work ethic shining through, and I think that's a huge takeaway for a lot of the players out here. Um, there's another player I, I wanted that I kind of – Danny and I circled that you'd played with uh, – and if was curious before you get into your own coaching philosophies and kind of what you do with your teams, let's touch on uh, Nathan McKinnon. You had a chance to skate with him a little bit. What about, uh, you just talked about work ethic with, uh, with Simmons. What, what are some takeaways and maybe some players that are listening could take away from, from his game, from McKinnon's game? Yeah, I, I could say the, all the same things I said uh, about Wayne Simmons, uh, about, about him. He was uh, such, such a hard worker. 
Um, but I mean, he, just so naturally talented. He uh, was literally the fastest guy I'd ever been on the ice with. So explosive, um, physically developed at a young age. And that came from the work he put in off the ice. So to watch him and, and how fast he went on the ice and to be able to make the moves and, and use the skill he's able to use um, at that speed was, uh, was absolutely incredible to be able to witness every day um, when I was in Colorado. And um, again, a great guy off the ice. He always took care of, I, I'm older than him, but he always tried to take care of me off the ice and away from the rink. So uh, very, uh, I really appreciate uh, having him in my hockey career as well. You know, we've we've had the privilege and honor to, to speak to a few guys out of playing in the NHL like yourself, and that is a common theme. Like, they just work hard. And, and um, it's one thing to work hard, but then it's another thing to have that, like, talent that McKinnon has. And you put those things together, and, I mean, he's arguably – I mean, he's at least top five in the NHL. Some people, if you live in Colorado, you'd probably put him at number one, but they're probably a little biased. But uh, let's jump in now to kind of your coaching philosophy, which which is your focus now. And – if you want to talk to us a little bit about just just your philosophy and how that translates onto the ice and into the games, because I know you started off as skills and then now you work into the assistant coach's role, and, and I'm sure that skill base is still there. But what's the philosophy like, and how do you translate that into games? Yeah, I'm I'm a huge believer in and the game is transitioning into a, a phase where it's going to be pretty much solely skill based and. With that said, I think there's there's things you can work on that really uh, will develop your game and make you a better player. And, and there's also things that um, people consider skill that I don't really consider skill. There's a lot of people out there teaching tricks right now. Um, and and I, I honestly, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that's not really um, what's going to help you get to the next level. I think you have to work on small things that happen multiple times throughout a game um, that are going to make you a better player. And uh, a lot of those things seem simple sometimes, but they're things that are really going to benefit you and benefit your play. So, um, and then transitioning into an assistant coaching role, I think my my role is is pretty much to help kids build confidence. And um, I know for me as a player, when I was confident, I was at my best, and I try and help people, you know, build build confidence, uh, build my relationship with them, so they wanna they wanna go out, they wanna do their best, they wanna work hard for the the guys, all the coaching staff standing behind the bench, and and obviously themselves. So. That's what I try and do. I try and build confidence um, and, and relationships. And I think that's the most important thing I can do as, a, as an assistant coach. Yeah. We got to talk um, with Nathan Gerby and he said the best coach or one of the best coaches. And he's had almost every unbelievable coach, but he had John Cooper and he said he had John Cooper back in like midget AAA. So when he was way younger and he just said that he had the ability to talk confidence into you. And so it's cool that, that that's your main focus and, that's what it should be, especially at an assistant coach level is just helping your players have confidence because it, you can, they can have all the skill in the world, but if you have no confidence, then it's not going to translate into the games. What are, what are some of those? Cause when we talk about skill development all the time on here, obviously, and we talk about the difference between like hard skill and, and kind of like what you talked about, those trick things and, and different things like that, which, Hey, it's cool for Instagram. Uh, but it doesn't always translate into, you know, the NHL or, or any level below that. And so what are, what are a couple of those skills that you seem to always be focusing on? Uh, for me, I think two of the main things I focus on, one being puck protection and, and when you protect the puck, having the puck in a good position to make a play. Um, and, and I feel like if you've never been chased into a corner by a guy that's 200 pounds looking to, looking to take your head off, it's, it's really hard to explain it. But when you've been in those situations – um, and you realize how important it is to have the puck in a good position 
when you're protecting it. So you're able to make plays, you're able to see what's coming and you're able to kind of see that layer um, behind that, that guy that's coming to hit you. And, and secondly, I think uh, being able to take the puck off the wall and make a play with it. So if you're a winger um, and a puck's rimmed to you, be able to get that puck off the wall into a good position and make a play with it right away. Um, and then I guess thirdly, I think being able to distribute the puck both ways. So for me, I'm a left-hand shot. When I'm skating up the ice, obviously it's really easy for me to make plays to my right winger. Um, when a lot of the time on your backhand, it's a lot harder to make plays to, to the left side of the ice. So I think uh, being able to distribute the puck both ways is also super important. And those are things that I, I really try and focus on with, uh, with my clients. I love hearing you say that, that last part about distributing the puck both ways. I feel like uh, working with like younger youth kids, it's like a lost art, the backhand, right? Like so many kids, especially like the best of intentions will go out and put in a ton of work shooting and passing and whatever and they just like neglect their backhand because it's it's harder but i feel like in, in my experience with some of the younger kids especially they you know like pushing them out of their comfort zone and like forcing them to do that it 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 pays such dividends on the ice i think that's a huge takeaway for a younger player listening to that is like don't just work on your forehand because it's what you're good at but working on developing what you're what you're not as strong at and additionally those other parts about like Get, getting the puck off the wall. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen, you know, if a winger can't get out of the zone, like how can you play them at higher levels, right? I mean, that, that becomes yeah. almost more important than, than all the other skills sometimes. So that, that kind of brings me to my question here. Um, now you had, you had the opportunity to play in a couple different leagues throughout your career and major juniors and, and NHL and KHL and over in Sweden and, uh, and now you're coaching the OHL. So relay to us a little bit about what, um, from a development standpoint that that looks like across those levels and and how does that experience you had as a player translate into like the drills you're doing or the concepts you're working on on a daily basis to develop those players in the OHL right now yeah I think I think it definitely helps um I don't think it's the end-all be-all that you had to have played to be able to help develop players I think there's a lot of guys that that haven't been in um that situation and haven't played at high levels that are extremely smart. There's guys coaching in the NHL that never really played or, or played low level hockey and do an incredible job. So uh, I think that's, uh, that's something that I have, I have, I have, I have been in those situations. I have been able to experience those things. And um, I, I think it helps just from, from a perspective of uh, I played in the NHL. I know how hard guys work. Uh, I think that's a message that has to get across to our youth is, is how hard it is to, to play at a high level. Um, just, just from how hard everybody works and, um, playing in Europe, I went to Europe thinking that it was going to be a, a pure skill-based game. And I was, I was completely wrong. The KHL was every single team pretty much played a one, four trap. So be able to adapt and, and play in different uh, situations, I think is extremely important. And I think my experience helped me in, in that regard, uh, for sure. What do you, what would you say? like to a young player that's looking to, to jump into the OHL now um, when you're thinking about skill development and what are, what are you seeing for the players that are, are like getting, I mean, we just had the WHL draft uh, the other day and kids that are making that jump to the next higher level versus those that aren't. And also maybe the kids that are making that jump that, that aren't hundred percent ready. Like what kind of skill development can you recommend to an, an older player that's trying to make that jump to the next level? Yeah, I think it's extremely important to, to get physically stronger. I, I don't think kids realize how strong strong people are nowadays. Um, you, you come into the OHL or the WHL, you guys have the draft a year earlier than we do here in Ontario. Um, and even the kids coming in, they look so, so small and so fragile physically. 
Um, some of them are, are smart enough to be able to maneuver and manipulate players and, and make plays, even though they are a little bit smaller. Um, I was always a smaller guy, so I definitely know how that feels. But um, I think it's, it's really important to, to focus on your off-ice training, get as strong as you possibly can through your core, um, so you're able to you know, protect pucks and, and make plays against bigger, stronger, faster guys. Um, you, you come into the, the WHL, the OHL, NCAA, and, and guys are literally, literally playing for professional contracts. So um, it's, it's not uh, – no one's screwing around, and you've got to be physically prepared to, to be in those situations. I, we were texting a little bit before this just about three things, or we don't need to put a number on it, but things that are mandatory in your practices and, and not necessarily like rules that you have, but just maybe drills or I know you talk a lot about puck protection, but are there like, you know, we're all every Monday, uh, let's think about like during the season. So like every Monday we do, we work on this and this is how we work on it. Are there, are there things like that that you have built into your system? Yeah, definitely. I think in Owen Sound, we really try and, and push the pace. And when I say push the pace, I mean practice almost faster than you would you would play. So um, when you get into a game, things almost seem like like they're natural, even slower than what you've worked on in, in practice. So that's a uh, that's really important for me. Other than that, I, I mean things are pretty pretty standard from a from a skill development standpoint. I, I definitely have drills that I do to to warm up and and you know, get your hands going and get your edges going and getting you getting a little bit of a sweat going before you jump into, jump into certain things. But from a team perspective, we are, we have our routines and whatnot, but I think the most important thing is to practice extremely fast and, and learn how to play under pressure. So that would be for me, um, like you said, not rules, but something that we're definitely trying to enforce every single day. Sounds like you have a good thing going there as far, like the idea of, working on these little skills do you do you have did somebody fill your role now with that skills coaching spot or are you kind of doing double duty right now yeah no I'm, I'm still doing that um we have ice every tuesday morning at no one sound for the guys so we have usually an hour an hour and a half of uh, ice time for guys to come out and, and do that stuff and that's something I, I feel very fortunate that i'm still able to do that obviously living um at no one sound during the winter that's something that uh i take pride in and, and try and help kids the the best i possibly can yeah. And, and speaking about helping, uh, not necessarily kids, but people, you get to coach Justin Bieber um, and work on his game and his skill set. What kind of like, so that's got to be a different style of coaching or maybe it's not, but if you want to dive into just the mindset it is when, okay, I've just, I just worked with these kids that have aspirations to play in the NHL. Now I'm going to go and switch my mindset and coach. I mean, the, one of the biggest superstars in the world right and so you want to dive into that just a little bit and talk about what that's like yeah yeah absolutely so, so first off I'll say he's, a, he's an incredible guy and and I think the the biggest differences um, between coaching OHL guys or pro guys or even even younger kids in, in my area that you know are looking to get better I, I think he um, he's such a fan of the game. He literally, he asks so many questions because he's so curious of why you're doing anything. So I, I'd say that was, that's probably been the biggest challenge for me um, coaching him and trying to help him get better is literally every single thing I ask him to do, he'll question it and ask me why. And, and it's actually been extremely, extremely important for me in learning why I actually do teach things because I really have to take a step back and think, okay, wait, why do I actually want to enforce these things? And he's always so curious about you know, why we're, why we're attacking from different angles and why we're doing different things. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and really cool to see a guy of, 
obviously that stature and, and how uh, how obsessed he is with the game of hockey. You didn't um, you didn't give him that drill on the airplane, did you? Where you're stick handling down the cones? Was that his? Did he dream that up, or did you give him some homework? <laughs> yeah, no, he dreamed he dreamed that one up himself. And uh, I remember when he posted it, I was laughing pretty hard. And I actually had a, I had a ton of messages about that, but. That's just how much he loves the game of hockey. It doesn't matter if he's uh, at sea level or 20,000 feet in the air. He's still working on his game. <laughs> oh, that's I pretty cool, man. Awesome. What, a, what, a, what a fun and like, what an interesting experience that is, being, having the opportunity to work with, uh, with him. That's pretty cool. Well, let's jump back into um, in, in the, the, the youth hockey world a little bit here. So, you know, you're working with, with OHL players. I mean, they're essentially, they're still kids for the most part, but they're, um, you know, there's a lot of people listening out here, whether it's the, the coaches or youth hockey coaches, youth hockey parents, youth hockey players, and this is a platform that we're trying to, to help them in their development process. So what, would it, what advice would you extend to a youth hockey player out there that's listening? Um, I would say first and foremost, there's a, there's, a ton of, there's a ton of young kids I've learned in my last few years after retiring. There's a ton of kids that uh, are, are almost forced into going to the rink by their parents. Um, and I, am so against that. I feel like the love and the drive have, has to come from within. So if there's any, any kids out there listening to this that aren't completely or absolutely in love with the game and, and really don't want to get better, I think you really need to have a serious conversation with your parents about what you really want to do. And for the kids that, that are obsessed with hockey and, and really do want to play professional or, or junior or whatever they want to do. Um, I think it's super important to realize how much hard work you actually have to put in. But at the same time, never, never stop having fun. I think the most important thing to having success in anything is to make sure you're having fun. And, and when you're having fun, you're usually confident. And that's when you're going to produce your best ability. So that would, be, that would be the advice I'd give any kid uh, listening to this podcast. Awesome. I love that. I mean, without passion for the game and loving what you're doing, it, it becomes pretty difficult to keep uh, progressing in that, uh, that path, whether it's a career path or just in the game in general, whatever level that tops out at. So I love that advice. Let's, let's, let's look at the other side of the coin, the uh, hockey coaches, youth hockey coaches specifically that are out there. What, uh, you know, you're making a living as a professional coach. What would you uh, extend as advice to a youth hockey coach that could be listening here? I think that's a great question. And, and I think it's so, so incredibly important. I think, um, from what I, again, what I've learned the last few years being retired, uh, I think a lot of coaches take the game way too seriously and try and put way too much pressure on kids. I think the most important thing a coach can do is, is connect and build good relationship uh, with kids. And if you do that and your kids, I guess I can call them students, your players are coming to the rink excited uh, because you're making it fun. You're having, uh, you're having, a, you're having success because you're having fun and, and you're kind of building that environment, I think that's the most important thing you can do. Um, other than that, I think uh, you have to build structure. You have to, you have to make sure you're dedicated and fully, um, fully involved to your best ability. And uh, like I said, make sure you're connecting with the kids and having a ton of fun with it. What do you mean? Uh, so before we dig into some guest questions, but you say build structure, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I think you, you need to have structure in place by, by having a, not a strict regimen, but having, having things in place where, where you're working on your power play, you're working on your penalty kill, and, and not, just, not just having specific kids doing it. You have to teach it to everybody. So um, whether, yeah. whether that's uh, working on your neutral zone, working on your forecheck, it has to be taught to every single kid on the team, not, the, not just the top two or three players. And, 
I think that structure will, will go a long way, not only in their hockey careers, but in their life. For sure. Especially, I mean, with the, how fast the game is now, I mean, injuries are going up uh, and you know, next man up or next woman up, depending on your team. And if you didn't take the time to set that structure up and make sure all the kids know the plan, basically, then it's going to hurt in the long run, especially if there's any type of injuries for sure. Um, so now, now we're going to dive into just some guest questions. So we, we did a post on Instagram and Facebook, just kind of looking for different, different questions. And the first one is from at John Yatsi. And I know, uh, I know, you know, Yatsi a little <laughs> bit, um, but uh, he, he's a good friend. Another Minnesota State alumni. That's why, that's why I wore the hoodie for him today. I knew this question was Absolutely. coming up. Uh, but uh, rumor has it, you used your own uh, curve at a very young age on your stick. Do you think that uh, it's an unfair advantage for you to have this stick um, over kids that just have old stock curve patterns? Yeah, that's that's a great uh, great question, my old yutz there. Um, I th- I think it was a huge disadvantage because they are wooden sticks, and I curved them myself. So every single time I I curved one, it was a completely different curve. So I didn't have uh, I didn't have my own standard my own or sorry my own curve until I played in the OHL. Before that, I was just curving uh, curving woodies to whatever I preferred on that specific day. So um, yeah, for yutz, that's a huge disadvantage for me. <laughs> did um did you just put a big hook on him or what was your game plan yeah well i went through a stage where i was like a huge heel curve because all i wanted to do is take slap shots and then uh yeah. i switched to a toe curve because uh i was just trying to toe drag everybody every time i touched the puck so kind of went through love different that. stages <laughs> love that that's awesome uh all right our next uh next question here uh comes from at Dwayne dockstatter uh I have a feeling I might know the answer to this one for you, but I, I want to see what your thoughts are. He says, hi, my son's on my son's peewee rep team. The coach puts out five forwards on his power play. Uh, we're not a single, we're not even a single a caliber team uh, just outside of Brantford, Ontario. What are your thoughts of putting five forwards out on the power play in minor league hockey? Uh, yeah. I, without knowing a ton about the situation, um, uh, I'll comment the, the best I possibly can. I, I think, uh, like I said earlier in, in one of the answers I gave you guys, I think it's extremely important to, to have structure and teach every single kid on your team um, all the different roles you can possibly play. So um, to have five forwards on a, on a power play in a, in a league that, I mean, it's not even AAA hockey. Obviously, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to win games. It's not AA hockey, I think he said either. So um, I, I think it's really important to develop all the players on, uh, on your roster. Yeah, I fully agree with you on that. I think the development key um, is important there. And uh, the the player in their opportunity to be in that situation and learn from that is a lot more important than uh, the position. So like conceptually just putting five forwards on or four, forwards or four defensemen in a penalty kill, I think is pretty irrelevant to the youth level. You should be getting kids in those different positions so that they can, they can learn the game and heater. I mean, that's a topic you can, I can go deeper in on one of our quick shifts for sure. I think in the future here. Uh, but I fully, yeah. I agree with you on that one. I think that's a, a good take on that. Absolutely. Yeah. But even Hish, like, like you said, Hish, um, not knowing a ton about the situation. Obviously there's probably a ton that goes into it. You know, maybe, maybe the second power play is all D I don't know, but it'd be cool uh, to see, to get more information on that and just to help understand a little bit better because 
as long as everybody's getting a touch. And, and I think that fits right into having structure uh, because if one of those five forwards get hurt and you know, your next person, your next player up doesn't know what they're doing on the power play, that's not going to be very successful. And like you said, it's fun to win games. And so it's never going to hurt if everybody on the team knows every position on the power play, like that's only going to help you be successful. Uh, and then also how much time are they putting in and, and all that stuff when they, when they could be focusing on different types of skills, but yeah, it's definitely a good question. Um, another question from, man, I struggle with, with words. G Morin SX maybe. Um, it, is it beneficial for a player to move up a level early and play a little or play at their age level all the way through? Um, well, I think any player that has the, uh, the opportunity to move up an age level, uh, usually you're a top player and you're not going to go up and just play a little. I, I don't think teams usually bring up um, kids if they're not going to be one of their top players. I know for me, um, growing up here in Stratford, only playing double-A hockey, I always played with kids a year and, and two years older than me. Um, and it was never a situation where I was going to play less. I, I was going to, to challenge myself, and I, I still got a ton of ice time. And I, I think that's extremely important. Um, if you're going to go play with a play with an older age group, and you're going to sit on the bench the whole game, then, then definitely not. I think you should definitely stay with your own age group. Um, and the most important, the most important thing, like you said earlier, is to get as many touches as you possibly can. And if you're going to go up and, and sit on the bench, you're not going to get those touches, and you're you're not going to develop. Yeah, so something that I kind of want to bring back up, and it just got me thinking when we talked about kids moving up a level and kids uh, playing up or, or staying staying where they're at. You said earlier that you went right from Double A hockey into the OHL. What was what was that like? Because I would assume most of the other players coming in played Triple A um, at least uh, when they made their jump to the OHL. What was that jump like for you? Uh, yeah, it was definitely extremely challenging. Um, I, yeah. I played double-A hockey, but I was fortunate enough to be able to play um, five games of Junior B that year for my hometown team, uh, and four of them were in the playoffs. So I, I was used to a little bit of a higher pace than double-A than hockey, but not on a, definitely not on a consistent basis. And, and back then, um, it, it wasn't like it is now where everyone was training. So uh, I, I know for me, I definitely wasn't training the way I should have been before my first OHL season, but um, I was able to go in and make the team and, and have a pretty good year. And um, yeah, definitely a very, I think a unique situation that uh, I was fortunate and lucky to go to Owen Sound. We were, uh, we were a very young team. Um, we struggled our first year, so I got a lot of opportunity to play, but in, uh, in any other situation, I probably would have had a, a much tougher time jumping to the OHL from double A. So that's, yeah, that's super interesting to me, Joey. The, uh, the fact that you played double A all the way up until you made that jump. Can you speak about that a little bit more? I mean, like, like here in the U S like the kids are always striving to get into the triple A program and hopping from team to team and, and trying to, you know, they're feeling like they're not going to be able to get that, that look unless they're playing at the triple A level. Um, what are your thoughts on that? A guy that, that made it a size, you know, first round draft pick playing in the NHL as a double A player. It was a unique situation for me. My parents, um, it just wasn't feasible that our only triple A center was, uh, they the Huron Perth Lakers and they were based out of Goddard, Ontario at, at the time. And, and that's about an hour, hour and five minutes or, or longer in the winter. Um, and we'd be driving there four or five times a week if, if I wanted to play and my dad, 
my dad works at the arena here in Stratford. So it was, uh, it was shift work days and nights back and forth. Um, my mom works for the minor hockey lines of Ontario and puts in, puts in ridiculous hours there. So it just, it just wasn't feasible for us. We weren't able to make it happen. Um, and my dad always told me, you know, if, if they're good enough, they'll find you. And that, uh, that advice, I kind of took it to heart and, and really believed in it and, and just tried to work as hard as I possibly could to, to get noticed. And then, um, like I said earlier, I was able to play five games in junior B uh, and play really well in those junior B games. And that's kind of when people and, and scouts and, and different organizations started to contact me. Um, and then my, my stock rose and, and uh, I was lucky enough to play in the OHL the next. I mean, that's a huge thing. And I, this will probably be a nice audio clip for us to, to pull out and just talk about the idea that, you know, if they're, if you're good enough, they'll find you. And that was back in 2007. And so now, now looking at it, like there's, there are really no cracks out there and kids don't fall through the cracks. And obviously you were good enough to go because you, you went there your first year and you scored 20 goals, um, which isn't, isn't easy to do. Uh, and, and you ended up scoring a goal. I know, I know with injuries and stuff, it didn't work out the way you wanted, but you did, I mean, you scored a goal in the national hockey league. And so that's pretty, pretty cool to go from, um, double a hockey to dominate in the OHL to scoring a goal in the NHL. Who, who was your first goal? Who was your goal against the NHL? Uh, Nashville. Becca Rene was in net. Okay. But I just, I just want to touch on something, uh, just touch on something quickly there. If I can, Pete mentioned that kids, kids are always jumping around to, to different organizations, trying to increase and enhance the exposure they're going to get. But um, scouting in the OHL, uh, last year, I, I know firsthand, uh, we don't really miss anything. We see uh, that we have scouts on our team that see over 500 games. So um, they're seeing different leagues, they're seeing different things. And, and kids in, in my age group were jumping all over the place, um, running around to different teams, thinking they were going to get more exposure as well. And I, I would say the majority of the time, it didn't work out for them. A lot of them didn't even play junior hockey. So um, for kids out there, you need to believe that it's really true. If, if you are good enough, they're going to find you. I think that's solid, solid advice. I mean, I think that that's a lot of times players, it's, it's almost like a race to nowhere. They, they, they feel that they've got to get themselves in front of every single opportunity they can. And, and the reality is it, it is exactly what you're talking about. Like the higher levels, the, the eyeballs are out there. And if you're playing, they're going to see you. You just might not even know it. And, you know, I, I remember talking with another coach about how sometimes they even like those kids that are on some of the lower level teams because they're able to, you know, take a bigger role in that team or, 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 you know, overcome adversity more often than that kid that's always on that undefeated team or that, that team that always wins. Like, yeah, you want a winner, but you know, there's, there's good kids on all those teams. You don't have to be on that one single team in order to get noticed. I think that's great advice from you. Um, I think we got one more question here from the mailbag. Uh, and I might have one more question after that for you, if you don't mind. But, uh, so, no problem. <laughs> this one uh, from, from Logan uh, Diopper. Would you pronounce it? Dioper. Logan Dioper yeah. training. Uh, so Logan asks, so you curve your own stick, eh? Any more tips or tricks that you would tell a player to get the most out of the game? Um, Logan must be from Canada, dropping an A for us. That's awesome. I, like <laughs> I think that. so. Heath. Um, he no, thinks he is. He's a Minnesota, he's a Minnesota guy. He thinks he's Canadian. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Um, no, I, I mean, I don't curve my own stick anymore. I, I, I used to curve my own stick when it was wooden, but now with the composite sticks, I can't, I can't curve them anymore or I'll break them. 
Um, and other than that, uh, I mean, like I've said multiple times throughout this interview, uh, you got to enhance the fun you're having every single time you're at the rink. I think that's the most important thing you can do. You know, I have one more kind of itching question in my mind before we start kind of wrapping things up here. But, you know, you touched on the fact that your scouts are, are out there um, getting eyes on, on kids with over 500 games. Tell me a little bit from a co- from coaching perspective with your program, what are some of the things that makes a scout take notice of a, of a young player um, or things that you guys, characteristics that you're really looking for um, before a draft or before you start bringing someone into your organization? Uh, I, I think every single team has their own kind of criteria of what they want to see. But, but for us, um, I think number one, first, first is, is hockey sense. I think if you don't have hockey sense, you're going to have a really hard time uh, playing at a hard level or sorry, at a high level. Um, number two would be compete. Uh, I think compete is extremely important. You don't have to be the most skilled guy in the world to go out on the ice and compete every single shift. And I think that's something that's uh, extremely important in getting noticed. Even guys that, are kind of oozing with skill. A lot of times they're scratched off lists because they're, they're lazy and they don't compete hard. So I think that's a, that's a huge one. Um, obviously skill, that's important, important as well. Skating is extremely important. The game, the goal, or the way the game's going nowadays. But uh, I think the, the most important one probably to get noticed is how hard you're willing to compete for your team. Yeah, that's huge. Um, and that, like to me, that's so easy to scout. Like you can watch a kid for a game and you can tell right away if, if he or she competes. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool to hear someone that coaches at a pretty high level of hockey to that. That's what they talk about when they're, when they're looking at who they're drafting, who they're bringing in, because at the end of the day, like you said, you can have all the skill in the world. Um, like you talked about McKinnon earlier, but if he didn't have that compete level, um, he wouldn't be the player he is. And so that's awesome. And, as we kind of wrap it up and before we get our big let's go from you coach, is there, is there any final thoughts that you have or anything you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, no, just, I think thanks for having me guys. This has been uh, incredible. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on here. And um, I mean, to all those kids out there, never stop believing. I think uh, anytime you, you have some love for the game and, and you chase those dreams, great things can happen. So make sure you're having fun. Like I've said, most multiple times and, uh, I wish everyone all the best. Yeah. And make sure make sure you go and check out Hitch's uh, Instagram account, skills underscore corp, S-K-I-L-L-S underscore C-O-R-P. I find myself scrolling through this thing two or three times a day uh, when I'm short on ideas or need something. Um, it, it's awesome to see. I mean, yesterday you, you posted a, a picture of McGinley and to me that was like, oh, that, that brings back when I used to watch hockey when I was a kid. So, it's cool just running through your feed, so make sure you go check them out. But as usual, uh, before we let you go, we need a let's go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, let's go. Love <laughs> there it. Go. Well, thanks, Ash. We really appreciate, appreciate it, man. It. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This, is, uh, this has been awesome. Huge thanks to Coach Hish for coming on the podcast today. I think I thought that was awesome. I had a great time talking with him. He, uh, I think he, he touched on a lot of really important points for for players out there that are looking to develop. And uh, you know, I think it's really awesome that he's willing to give back to the game and talk through his his journey, his experience, and what he's doing now at the coaching level. But uh, so huge, huge thanks to coming on the show. I appreciate it, Peter. What do you say, man? You want to you want to jump into three stars for the night? Yeah, three stars. Let's jump right into this coach. He's the best. You know, he, he gave us a ton of his time and we appreciate it. But 
third star um, that that we want to talk about here is just the idea of skill development and how you know those trick shot things and those different things that we're seeing on social media are great um, and they have its place in the game. But the idea of how he talks about skills and the hard skills that he talks about and can you pull pucks off walls? Can you puck protect? Can you puck protect at the right time? Uh, do you have the ability to feed your to feed your teammates um, a pass on your backhand versus your forehand and all those different things? And so the idea of just training every time you're on the ice when you're doing skills work with a purpose, I, I think, was something he hit right on the head. And it's obvious with the the players that he's starting to produce there. And he's only been coaching for a couple of years. So that was really cool. The second star of the night goes to when he talked about Wayne Simmons and yes, sometimes it's a cliche like, Oh, he's just the hardest worker, but he had like substance behind that answer. When he talked about how the team would literally have meetings about Wayne Simmons and how hard he works and his work ethic. And uh, when he shot the puck, every time he shot the puck, uh, he never just flipped it. Like he would shoot that puck to try and shoot it in the back of the net through the goalie, whatever it takes. And so just that idea uh, that work ethic is so important um, and that Wayne Simmons had it from back when they played to play juniors with each other. And hey, not a better person to ride to the rink with every day like you talked about too. So first star, first star of the night, coach, what do you got for us? Yeah, well, going back to your second start too, that, that idea of compete as being one of the biggest things that compete level in the games is one of the biggest things scouts look at too. I mean, I think that not only in practice is it important, but but in the games too, because you never know who's watching. But that brings me to my first my first start of the night. Uh, I, I I get a, a huge kick out of it, and I love that he played Double A for his hometown his whole way through, um, and then just a couple of games for his local junior B team until all of a sudden he's ripping up the OHL and becoming a draft pick. Right. So you know what does that tell you? I, th- I think it tells you that you know, if you're good enough, like he said it, if you're good enough, the people are going to find you. He's his team, yeah, the Owen sound attack have scouts out there watching over 500 games. They've got guys going to tournaments at all different levels, all over the place. And in today's game with all of the technology out there and all the video review uh, options. And the, the reality is, 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 is you're going to get seen in, in that notion of, of hopping teams every year to be at the right, uh, the right showcase and, you know, get more exposure right you know, the reality is, is that, you know, you don't have to do that. Like the opportunity, you, you have to seize the opportunity at, at the place that you're at. And, and I think he's a living walking example of a kid who played double A for his hometown team his entire life. And it translated into a successful career in juniors, a first round draft pick playing in the NHL. I mean, you, you don't get a whole lot better than that. So uh, I think that's a huge takeaway that these, you don't have to fall through the cracks if you're good enough to get out there, they will find you. And I think that's a lesson for, for a lot of the players and parents uh, to, to heed and, and listen closely to and thinking about yeah. what options are available for their, their players out there. So for me, that's the first star. I think it's a great takeaway. Um, Peter, anything else, man? What, where, where are we at? Uh, you know, just thank you, coach. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'd obviously love to have you again, especially when, you know, the hockey picks back up and there's even more to talk about. So we appreciate you coming on. Uh, hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Check out our quick shifts that we're doing on our Instagram TV. Uh, just breaking down hockey topics, uh, 10 minutes or less. Shoot us a message with any types of questions you have, and we'd love to dive in. Uh, anything else, Coach? No, I'm excited to do more of those uh, quick shifts and, and see what people think about those and really dive into the nitty-gritty. So, yeah, like like Heater said, shoot us any questions you have, and 
and maybe we'll we'll either ask upcoming guests of those or we can uh we can jump into those and dissect the the topics on our own with uh, the quick shift episode so that's all i got for today let's uh let's wrap her up let's go let's go that's right let's go boys danny and pete always doing an awesome interview thank you so much to joey for coming on the podcast if you want to find out more about joey hishin find him in the description below all of his links will be down there so make sure you check him out we want to remind our listeners to support our sponsors hockeywolf.com make sure you're supporting hockey wolf go visit their website today hockey and lacrosse that's hockeywolf.com thank you so much to them and finally gel stick sports Gel sticks are weighted training aids for hockey, lacrosse, and golf. They are two and a half times heavier than standard sticks or shafts, meaning you'll maximize every training session with a gel sticks. So visit their website, that's G-E-L-S-T-X.com, because we've teamed up with them to give you 20% off your next order. Visit the website and use promo code Let's Go at checkout. That's L-E-T-S-G-O at checkout. You'll get 20% off anything you order in the store. So visit them today and get yourself a gel stick and start training different. And that's going to do it for another week of the Let's Go Hockey podcast. Thank you for listening. If you haven't hit subscribe already, please make sure you do so because we love that you guys are out there. Without you, we wouldn't be doing the show. So thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time. 